Reporting is Eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. Hey everybody, welcome to your post-Bears reporting is eligible. I am Paul Noonan, right for the Shepherd Express and Acme Packing Company and do the Milwaukee's Tailgate podcast, which we're taking off this week in case you missed that message because we haven't had a day off in a long time and there's just depressing things to talk about. Um, really quick before I introduce JR though, I did want to mention, since we won't get a chance to this week, Andy Haynes got fired today and I just wanted to mention I said on the podcast that Andy Haynes would probably get fired, and uh, I was the, the correct one there. So <laughs> t- taking a quick victory lap uh, at Andy Haynes' expense. But, uh, you know. I can't believe you, you're taking victory laps that don't involve the Packers beating the Bears. It feels like that's such a brand <laughs> thing for you. And you're, you've started even before we get to the football. That's incredible. incredible. <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to the Bears. But uh, uh, why, why, don't you, why don't you introduce yourself over there in Tosa? Yes, I'm J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. It's just the two of us this week. We think Matt might show time, up. We'll see. Yeah, we really. Matab is such a wild card. He's so you never actually know. Last time, last time we thought it was going to be the two of us, and then he claimed he was left in the Zoom waiting room and couldn't couldn't get in for some reason. So uh, even though we got no notification of it, but uh, we're watching this time. We're carefully watching this. Time. <laughs> yeah, so. we do not want. Uh, we do not want to leave him locked out yet again. Yeah, but, I don't want to uh, leave him hanging. I think everybody had kid problems this week. My kids were sick. They were home today. Having kids home while you're trying to work is the worst, as we all know, uh, if you have kids during COVID. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that they're asleep and I'm in my basement. That is the best thing that's happened in many days, other than beating the Bears, which the Packers did. So um, They did indeed. I, I also had kid problems in that I was at an apple orchard during most of this game. I, I was, was at a pumpkin patch during most of this <laughs> it's game. It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I bet we both did corn mazes. We did. We did. I did do a corn maze. The, yes. I will, it, kudos to this pumpkin patch. They did have beer. It was Abbey Farms in Illinois, and they make their own um, Abbey-style beers, so like doubles and triples and stuff. And we got a bottle of the double before we went into the corn maze, and that made the corn maze a lot better. Uh, honestly, yeah, corn I mazes imagine. aren't that fun if you don't have beer, and they're much more fun with beer. I would love to do a corn maze with beer. I did not have beer at this particular corn maze, but I did. I, I did have a good time. This was uh, Elegant Farmer out in McGuanago. Oh, I love the Elegant Farmer. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I I am not an well. I mean, let's be honest. I don't like anything that doesn't involve my computer, TV, sports being in my house. <laughs> I'm extremely lame. I'm probably not even a good father, and I am definitely not definitely not a good husband. But. Uh, uh, th- this is something we do every year and it's cool it's cool it's it's a really nice spot mm-hmm. the apple selection wasn't great but that's the time of year we went so yep. uh it's it, they got they got good apple picking got a few other things here and there you know the the hayride thing going on it, it's a good time it really is a good, yeah. good thing for family did you take the train no 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 we've not done that we've taken the train one time independent of the uh, apple orchard apple orchard scene but uh i uh, i personally have never been on the train 
Makes sense. The one thing I do hate about uh, fall family fun apple slash pumpkin places is that they do seem designed to have as many bees follow you around as possible. Oh, this place actually has beehives on the campus. They're everywhere. Even more so there, but just the combination of like donuts covered in powdered sugar and (laughs) sticky apple cider and caramel covered apples means that there are literally bees just everywhere. And I don't care for that, but whatever it's fine especially when you have children most of whom are under the age of like eight yes running around collecting these apples exactly anyway though um fortunately um the condensed version exists and uh i yes i've watched this game twice now partially because i wanted to check on a few things and partially because the packers only had seven possessions in the whole game so it was easy to watch twice (laughs) which is insane it really it really is wild it's and one of their pace is so slow. I'm, uh, like, I'm glad they're good and I'm the five and one and winning. But I would, I would like it if they moved just a little faster. It, uh, it, it really kind of shortens things to an absurd extent a lot of the time. All right. So the first question is an easy one. Why? What's going on there? Why are they so slow? Is because the line is, you know, that's that's sort of just like li- living up to the line. Apply, you know, you would think. Having having a run game that clicks with this passing game that you theoretically would assume is very good because Aaron Rodgers is in charge of it, you would think that would make for a pretty good pretty good pace. But uh, but what's the deal? What do you think? There's a lot of factors that go into making them slow. It's like a big collaboration of things. First of which is we know Aaron likes to take his time between plays and get everybody in the right spots and make sure that um, you know he's diagnosed everything properly. We know he likes to take the play clock down to zero, uh, often a little you know a little past zero even. And so that's that's factor one. Factor two is Lafleur's offense takes a while to. It's complicated. The call is long, but besides that, it does involve like good things like pre-snap motion, and it takes time for pre-snap motion to happen. Um, you have to kind of wait for the defense to get set so that when you run motion, you can diagnose what they're doing off of it. So so you have these long plays that come in. You got to wait for some stuff to happen. You send guys in motion. Then Aaron has to diagnose and maybe change it, and put all that together. And um, you're taking the play clock. The, the Packers, I think, are the fourth slowest team uh, in, in, from time beto- from play to play. I think it's the 32.8 seconds between plays for them. And you know the play clock's not that long. And then they do run the ball. Um, they're not stupid about running. The situation neutral wise, they're pretty good. They they pass as much as they should. But, you know, they're not afraid to run the ball. They run the ball quite a bit. They're, I think, 20-something, 22nd um, in uh, pass percentage, meaning they run the ball, you know, 10th most in the league. And that drains the clock. Um, and, you know, we see them do it pretty effectively. You know, Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon had a pretty good game here. And when they get – they've also had leads in pretty much every game, so they're going to grind the clock down. So running and milking the clock and slow passing and milking the clock and – put it all together and you've got a team that is just not going to generate a lot of possessions every game. And then if you run into the bears who, you know, are afraid of their quarterback and also going to try and run the ball just to not throw interceptions and look stupid. It just makes for a very, very short game with not a lot going on. Yeah. I guess then the next question is if you think they have the tempo in them, I realize that might be predicated (laughs) on having a fully healthy receiving core, which they don't have right now. And a couple guys that maybe have uh, regressed is probably the wrong word, but are, you know, aren't as factors as big a factors as they were last year, because I, I'm sure like a lot of people, I look at this team and yeah, they, they've won a bunch of games in a row 
uh, they, I, I still think the win in San Francisco was really impressive. Yep. But the three wins since then have been slogs. You know, like yes, they they beat the Steelers and it was fairly convincing. That's still a ten point game at Lambeau Field. They beat the Bengals and it requires a crazy confluence of overtime events to make that happen. <laughs> they beat the Bears and you know, like the Bears at Soldier Field rivalry game. I suppose anything can happen. Defense is good. 24 points for the number of possessions they had, especially considering one touchdown was taken off the board by bizarre officiating. Yep. Uh, you know, that's that's not bad. That's fine. It's pretty but it good. doesn't yeah. it doesn't it feels like this is a top ten team in the NFL, and when you get to the playoffs, that's not good enough. I at five and one, knowing that there are more teams making the playoffs than ever before, a losing team, a losing record or 500 record, probably going to make it. I do th- think this Packers team is going to win three or four more games at least. So I think they're safely in, but uh, it doesn't feel like they're a top, you know, more than maybe a top 10 team in the NFL. So do you think they have that gear and they're just not showing it or that they, they just aren't quite ready for it? Maybe because David Bakhtiari hasn't been back. Like what, what do you, what do you envision? going forward i i think the tempo is kind of ingrained in them and i i do think that speeding them up hurts them because it does restrict the 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 playbook like you can't do a lot of the stuff they want to do without wasting time um i mean the only way to do is to tell aaron to snap the ball earlier and he's not going to do it like we've seen aaron's very old we've seen this show he's not changing so to go faster to run tempo i think they have to kind of cut down on the number of plays they run and uh, or cuts on on the types of plays. So the playbook shrinks a lot more shotgun, a lot less under center play action, a lot less motion, um, and I think we've seen that happen a couple times and burn them. Uh, I think that's what happened in the San Diego game last year. I think the Saints game kind of looked like that when they got behind, where they went shotgun a ton and did try to run tempo a little bit, and their offense just isn't as good when they do that. So um, I think it's built into them that they do have to be a little bit ahead, and they're not going to be a fast-moving team kind of no matter what but i do think they're really good um by by advanced metrics they are on a per play basis they are while they they're like 14th in the league in points scored um they're since the saints game they're third in the league in epa per play i think they're like 10th uh counting that game which you know you shouldn't discount it it happened um and and they're like 10th offensively in dvoa um but they're uh they're just this pace makes them vulnerable to a lot of luck and yeah they lost a touchdown against the bears for sure that definitely happened um equinemia st brown should have had a touchdown but the bears also um they didn't lose a touchdown necessarily but the one interception should not have happened that should have been a third and two for them um and you know, a couple of plays go the other way and that slow pace for the packers lets the bears hang around quite a bit more than you'd be comfortable with so um, it, it really brings a lot more luck into the game when you're not able to blow out even bad teams because you don't have enough positions to do it. And th- that's where the risk happens. And I think that's where the playoffs, it could that could show up in the playoffs and burn them against a lesser team. Um, so that that's my big worry there. Yeah, I was thinking about that in terms of the officiating because there, I, it just you just got to come to terms with it. There's going to be a bad officiating decision uh, probably for both teams in every game this year. Uh, a pretty consequential one, it seems like. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe in one game you're on the short end of that. You've got to be good enough to just, you know, you got to be good enough where that doesn't matter, where one or two plays adjudicated incorrectly does not matter. And to do that, you obviously have to be able to rack up more points. I guess I guess we'll know they're playing a team this week that has what allows like, what, 38 points a game, like by far <laughs> the most points, not by far, but they have allowed the most points in the NFL of any team. Their defense, which was supposed to be so good, is so not good. If they can't roll up 30 against Washington, yep. it's going to feel like they maybe have a problem. 
And it's possible they won't because Washington's defense is still really talented. They, they were third in DVOA last season. They were very good. They were 27th the year before. One, one thing that we have figured out about um, defense generally is that it's very inconsistent from year to year. It's not a good way to build a team for that reason because um, little tiny things can basically knock it completely off course. Uh, that's just a fact. It, partially, it's just more volatile. Partially, it's because once the offense identifies a weakness, um, there's nothing the defense can do about it other than add people or change scheme, and that can bite you. So um, it's still a talented Washington team. Like Chase Young's really, really good. He was defense rookie of the year. Um, and they um, they added some talent in the offseason. They were bad against number one receivers last year. They had, I believe it's Willie Jackson. I got to double check. But uh, who's a good corner? And now they're better against number one receivers, but they fell apart against every other kind of receiver. They're like 29th and 30th against number two in slot receivers. But if you're the Packers, this could actually be a bit of a problem because they do have a good pass rush. They And, and Rodgers has struggled under pressure this year, especially with deep passing. And they're actually pretty good against number one receivers. The Bears sucked. They were 30th. Washington's not. Um, they are much, much better. Um, so I think that the Packers may have some trouble putting a, a 30 spot on this Washington team. I think this might be a, a, oh, Washington's actually not as bad as they've played so far kind of game. But I don't see how Washington's going to score any points. So I don't think it matters. <laughs> it's pathetic offense. And it's it's hurt to boot. So um, uh, they should still be okay. But I think the defense shows up for Washington this week. You asked the question, who is their second best receiver? I both want and don't want the answer to be Mercedes Lewis. Because Me that too. means <laughs> Because Mercedes Lewis is the man. But also, if he's your second best receiver, you have issues. Uh, it's probably Aaron Jones, which is maybe its own set of issues. But... Yes. Uh, I mean, Mercedes Lewis is is. I mean, I'm in love with him. I need to get a probably a jersey at this point or something. Why, I, re- uh, why I really like him this year is because it, to me, when I whenever I see him play and get a catch, it seems like he's offended that he's getting a catch. Like, <laughs> like, 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 you that, idiots. That like that nobody else was good enough to to take this possession, and so he he's going to catch it and just bowl over whatever's in front of him with the anger of a thousand sons for having to be involved in this in the first place. So I, I, I obliterated two linemen for you people. None of you are still open. I'm going to do this all myself. Exactly. Uh, guess it's old Mercedes time now. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah, that's too bad. It's probably I mean, we... Cobb, but it's yeah. like it should be definitively Cobb or Lazard. Um, and the fact that it's not is bad for sure. And I mean, Aaron Jones is probably the right answer because he has the second most targets, I'm pretty sure, second most receptions. But that's no good either. <laughs> Your running back right. shouldn't be that guy, you know, especially one who's not. It's not his forte. You know, it's it's not. This is not Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield. He's gotten a lot better, but you know, it's not where Aaron Jones is supposed to be dominating people. So, no, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon have definitely shown up so far this year. They so have. they they've built this offense around the running game, which is fine. But you know they're going to need to uncork some dandies. I can't believe I just said that out loud. <laughs> They're gonna. Can you edit that out? I'm already embarrassed about that that expression. Uncorks I don't even. I don't know where that came dandies. from. They gotta. They've. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to pass the ball, especially when you get into the teeth of the schedule, and especially when you get in the playoffs. They're gonna have to make some magic happen through the air, and I'm not sure who's on the receiving end right now. Nope. Uh, they do get MVS um, bracket practice. Not sure if he's gonna be healthy enough to go. Kind of doubt it, but. That would help a lot. Um, there was, by the way, I a, don't believe, by the way, that he practiced on Wednesday, which is when did we're he recording not? this. Oh, okay. I don't think he did. If he did, he was limited, but I'm pretty sure he didn't practice at all. Okay. Never mind. I don't think they even activated him yet off the pup. I maybe read he was supposed to be, but you're, oh, you're he right. Was. He's not activated. So, yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he still might be, but I uh, I doubt it. If you're eligible to be activated and you're not on day one, that's usually off the pup off the not pup list, but the uh, IR off the IR. Um, yeah, that's not a good sign. No, no, it is not. Okay, well that's no good. David Bakhtiari was back though. That's good. That's excellent. Yes. Um, and that that will help the running game too. Uh, the, their passing or their their pass blocking's been pretty good regardless. They've done a very nice job, but. Um, Bakhtiari also gives him a lot more flexibility and like he really will help um, Jones and Dylan even more than they've, they've been helped so far. Their run blocking has not been great and uh, if they give those guys a couple more holes and the offense will really start to take off. So I'm looking forward to having Bach back. Uh, yeah, we'll see how, how I mean Elton Jenkins wasn't wasn't great in his first game back. I mean he was you know whatever fine but like certainly not at all pro level. And uh, so you wonder if there's going to be a learning curve. Obviously, Elton Jenkins was not out nearly as long as David Bakhtiari has been. So I, I'd be curious if he's actually active for the game against Washington. It seems like maybe they would want to wait that extra week at the very least. But yeah, but what do I know? It's already it's already been, you know, 10 months. So indeed, there's no reason to rush anybody back for this game either. They should it, if they want to give people a week off, that's fine. If they want to give them like a preseason game, also not a bad idea to, to ease people back into things. I think you might kind of see that with a few guys, um, but uh, should not be a threat. And after this, they really have a gauntlet of, of very tough opponents where they'll need people as healthy as they can be. Yeah. So uh, we've got Packers kind of some news today with Whitney Merciless signing. I want to talk about that, but I don't want to get too far away from this Bears game. Uh, I'm curious your thought. The, Justin Fields, we've... Packers now I've seen him for a full game here what what did you think because uh <laughs> I, I I I mean I still I've still got really high expectations for where that career goes yep. and I, I mean why wouldn't I it's it's there's definitely a you know rookie season there's going to be a learning curve and I, I think he's going to be pretty special but um I don't know what what do you think now that you've seen him in action uh I, it made me even matter at the way the Bears offense runs but uh, <laughs> so he, he played a bad game but he showed you I think what he can do um, a couple times uh, and where you really should be using him as a mobile quarterback he had scrambles but he had no designed runs um, which is something the Bears have been consistent with the whole season yeah what are they doing don't why know. don't they give him the ball man they really want to run the the Matt Nagy offense and they're not making any um, they're not doing anything to help the guys they have it's just a stupid way to coach I I, I hate it when coaches can't adjust to their talent it it's just, if your scheme's that good, then um, you should still be succeeding. Even if your guy's not that great at running it, your scheme's not that good. You really got to, like, play, this is not rocket science. I mean, uh, he was great in college, and he, he was able to use his mobility and his speed and um, a pretty accurate arm to buy time and hit receivers. The Bears have at least a couple of good receivers, but they have him standing back in the pocket till it breaks down, and then he makes things happen sometimes. And he, he threw some nice passes when he had time. It's not like he was bad across the board. Um, you know, we've seen quarterbacks every once in a while who just can't hit the broad side of a barn, and this was not that. Um, it, it's just, they're, they're stupid. So I, I still think he's a good-looking prospect, but I think he is still being ruined by the team to a large extent mm. and i want to see him somewhere else and you know what they'll probably have a different staff in next year so yeah, we might get to that's see what that. i was thinking yeah i was thinking the matt nagy issue is is short term he'd probably yep. struggle no matter who the coach is this year so uh, get it out of your system and then <laughs> learn from someone else uh I, I also think his day is better if he doesn't make the mistake of simply 
not throwing that ball to Darnell Savage in the end zone, you know, like that the, the mistake there is not looking for the flag yep. when when Kenny Clark so obviously jumped offside. <laughs> it's just an embarrassing miss by the referees. And, you know, not not seeing that flag and being willing to uncork a ball that anybody could catch. That's that is a mistake that's on him. But if that doesn't happen, you know, there's a chance that drive ends in a score and yep. a, a totally different ball game at that point. Yeah, it's pretty likely they get a field goal at least. And to the Packers credit, you know, they took over on the 20 and they came right down and punched it in. So yes. um, it's not like they got a short field or anything. And uh, I don't know if it would have changed the game too much if the Bears do get a field goal there. It's still pretty likely the Packers score on that drive. But, yeah. um, you know, it changes the game in more ways than one. And it take, takes more time. It reduces possessions again. And um, it was, you know, while you can you can blame him for that, that mistake, it's a pretty savvy play uh, um, to actually get people to jump and then take the deep shot. You know, we see guys check down a lot on those two and not take full advantage when we're not watching Rodgers. And um, it should have worked for him because the Packers were definitely offsides on the play. <laughs> I, would, I would have been beside myself if I were um, him and the Bears coaching staff on that one. Yeah, that's a that's a tough tough miss. They they made up for it by taking away a touchdown they did. because of a phantom offensive pass interference penalty. But whatever, that's uh, <laughs> that's that's tough. Uh, it, Khalil Herbert, I didn't. You know, I'm not gonna pretend like I know anything about that guy Same. coming into this game. Uh, he's not bad. He's pretty good. He ran really well. He looked very good in that game. Um, and I also, I'm like you, but you know what I like is I like running backs who don't cost a lot of money to sign. <laughs> He's perfect for you. He is perfect for me. And I like anybody who lets me talk about David Montgomery as being a bad draft pick. And Khalil Herbert was really good. He good in the passing game, ran with power, cut back very well, um, punched in a nice touchdown. Just really a, a very, very solid game from a rookie. Goes to show you, of course, you can get good running back production pretty much anywhere. The Bears just did it. He's their third stringer. And uh, I, Montgomery has had good games this year, so it's not like it's the best bear performance of the year from running back. It's not. But, you know, it was on par with anything that anybody above him has done so far this year and behind a, a bad offensive line. So uh, kudos to that kid, and I hope he has a long, successful career, and I get to talk about him all the time. Um, by the way, did have a higher um, RAS than Montgomery coming out of college. So not great, but still a slightly better athlete, too. We uh, we have to talk about the moment of the game, which is Aaron Rodgers <clears throat> expressing his his certain his uh, <laughs> his viewpoints. Some of them some of them not safe for air. Although I suppose we could uh, we I, I should have gotten the full the full text and read it. But but obviously the I still own you sentiment is uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be one of the quotes of the year. Pretty great stuff. Um, I, I I do I I appreciate that he hasn't backed off of it. There there's obviously anytime this happens you get a little bit of like it was immature it made it about him or whatever like obviously screw that like he was he was in the moment it was fun yeah. it happened to be caught by a crowd mic you can't tell me other players aren't saying the exact same stuff we just don't hear it because there's no crowd mic right in that area it was sort of a circumstantial thing and uh and i love it i i don't quite know on the pat mcafee show why he needed to spiral that into a long take about woke culture that i guess i didn't even completely <laughs> understand yeah uh, but nope. but i like that he's like look i you know first of all you know, it wasn't personal or anything. It's just, you know, in the moment. Second of all, scoreboard, like track record. I mean, is, am I wrong? <laughs> That's the best thing is seeing the teammates like, he ain't wrong. Even, yep. even, even Cole Komet. Even the God better. God bless Cole yep. Komet, uh, who, who Cole Komet, he's going to turn into a nice player too. Uh, you know, he's like, yeah, he's not totally wrong. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely great. It was great. Um, it, it It's kind of a weird one. Like I was 
I was trying to imagine just myself in the scenario of what I would say in that scenario, getting double bird flipped by by people <laughs> at an opposing Multiple stadium. People. Yeah, yeah, um, and I don't think I would come up with "I still own you." Maybe I would, um, but uh, whatever, it, it works. It's good. By the way, um, at Acme Packing Company, we have shirts, uh, and they're beautiful. So um, if you are looking for an "I still own you" shirt, uh, I should mention it. Ours is officially licensed by the National Football League Players Association. So it actually has a an Aaron Rodgers graphic with number twelve on it on the front and his signature. Wow. Yeah, we did good work there. Nice. I didn't know you had that kind of pull. Yeah, I, same here, but we do. So, <laughs> That's so awesome. Yes, if you want the official, um, uh, we still or I still own you shirt. We got that over there. Go check it out. The official yeah. I still own you shirt. Yes, that's fantastic. Yeah, what a moment! What a what a great moment! A good good uh, one more notch in this rivalry. Uh, as as Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show, they were they were eight down in this rivalry when Brett Favre took over and now they're quite a bit up they really or, are or they, i don't i don't know if they're eight up and or they i don't quite remember what the numbers are but they were not ahead and now they're very much comfortably ahead yes it's, it's pretty great stuff the bears really have been just a dumpster fire too they they really need to completely clean house uh, and and uh, like we should make fun of them a little bit for threatening to move to arlington heights as well um because <laughs> it so soldier field's not easy to get to this is one of those things like everybody imagines a downtown stadium as just um you know people in the city can just kind of amble over or take the train or whatever and that's the case with wrigley and with whatever the hell comiskey is called these days i believe it's still guaranteed rate um but soldier field's not by public transportation um it is a pain to get to it's hard to drive to from anywhere and so like it also doesn't help any businesses. I know we always talk about when people build new stadiums that the economic impact is overstated, but for the city stadiums, like Wrigley in particular, it does help the neighborhood be a thing. Like the bars there and the restaurants and hotels derive it a lot weird. of revenue off there. There's nothing by Soldier Field. It's by the it's museum. It's weird, yeah. Paul. You, it's it's quiet. If you walk around that building and there's not a game going on, it is dead quiet. You feel like you're almost on an island surrounded by traffic, you know, a major highway that you can see right from the side of the building. Yep, which you kind but of are. <laughs> it's it's bizarre. It's like being at a parking ride. Yeah. So, and uh, like, not to get too Chicago-y about this, but um, it's on the museum campus, which is where tourists and school children go to go see the museum it's it's by those things it's on the same like land strip as the navy pier which is also on the lake on the other side of lakeshore drive and also difficult to get to if you're not a tourist um or it's child on a bus so um it it's it's very isolated and um i'm not going to make fun of them for threatening to move as much as i normally would because i kind of get it a little bit um they should probably if they keep him in the city, try and build that up a little bit. Like, have it be a little more integrated. Have it be um, an easier destination. Like, there's tailgating at Soldier Field, and I like tailgating, but it's weird to tailgate in downtown Chicago. <laughs> it's it's bizarre. You, you would think you'd be going out to two cool places and then wandering over, but that is not how that place operates. So, Arlington Heights Bears coming soon, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that'll yeah, be fun. Yeah, you said... Uh, I said highway, and before somebody lambasts my geography, uh, well, Lakeshore Drive. Lakeshore like Drive said. is, I, but I it feels like a highway. Is fair. I think it, technically, maybe even a highway. I think it's like Highway Forty One or something like whatever. Oh, really? Like. Okay, okay. I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. My Chicago geography is not great. <laughs> I'm I'm the guy who takes 294, so I don't have to go anywhere near the city if I have to pass through. Well, but, that's just uh, smart. I mean, if you're yeah. going through the city, that's how you should do it. 
I truly don't know why anyone doesn't take 294. It's not even that much further. It's not like much it further. It, and it like adds like odds nine you, minutes. The odds of you, it usually adds nothing because the odds of you getting stuck sure. in the loop on the way through are astronomically high. Yeah. I used to think going through the loop was still the way to go on Sundays. I don't think that's true. No, anymore. I don't think that's I, true anymore either. There's pretty much just 294. A disaster. 294 yeah. rules. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So the Packers, speaking, speaking before of of going behind and now ahead. The Packers are, are are only plus eight on the season in terms of overall, you know, points for points against, but since the saints plus 43, I mean, that is, I guess that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's really good. Um, and there's lots of, it's hard to tell how good the Packers are. It's very strange. They've played a lot of teams with good defenses and bad offenses. And as a result of this, their offense ranks very highly in most advanced stats because all defensive adjustments um, and things like, and the pace, you know, being the big determining factor for them means that they're actually a lot better than they have appeared to be on offense. And the opposite is true of the defense because they've played a bunch of teams without good offenses. You know, it, the Bears have a terrible offense and um, the Bengals are fine, but not great. And uh, Pittsburgh's got the rusted corpse of Ben Roethlisberger back there. So, <laughs> you, you know, you can just kind of adjust for that in your own head. So um, the defense has looked pretty good. But they really haven't been tested. They will be soon. Not this week, but soon. And the, the offense has been tested more than we kind of maybe think. And it's a really very good performance has been disguised by pace and by uh, incomplete teams that have um, good defenses but bad offenses. So, um, uh, And they, then they have that plus eight, but also plus 43. It depends on how much you count the Saints game. I, I, I don't really know what to think of them. And I think um, starting with the Cardinals in two weeks, I think we'll learn exactly what we're looking at, if we've got a contender or if we've got kind of a pretender so far. But all that said, this these last few weeks have made me actually very optimistic on the Packers. Um, and I think if you start to see comps to 2010, that that might be appropriate because uh, the only difference being they didn't really weather the storm well early in, 20, in 2010. They had to kind of get healthy late and rally late and sneak into the playoffs to win the Super Bowl. Um, this time they've uh, they've managed to win their games when they've been hurt when you know no MVS and no Elton Jenkins and no David Bakhtiari and no Jair Alexander and no Zadarius Smith. If they start to get all these guys back later and they keep up this level of efficiency and that defense has two awesome corners with a now solid pass rush with Kenny Clark playing outside and Devondre Campbell anchoring the middle, like it's easy to see how this looks like a dominant team that is a legit Super Bowl contender. So I think they get that. Um, I'm not sure they're that right now, but I think they do get that if they actually get healthy. Yeah, three and three that team was in 2010, but two of those losses were back-to-back overtime setbacks against Washington and Miami. That's right. So, so it was a little, even then, a little it obscured a little bit of their talent. Of course, you know if if this season plays out similarly, because they will with the extra playoff team, like I said, they're likely at this trajectory to have a spot locked <laughs> they're gonna up. get in <laughs> yeah they're gonna get in so so then you you it's the the mumbo jumbo about well did it benefit them to have to like fight for their lives for the last two weeks of the regular yep. season you know oh, by like, the way you gotta deal with per all football outsiders they have the hardest remaining schedule of any team um yeah however uh, of all the teams in the top five it's all the nfc north so it's not like they're at a disadvantage against anybody else in the division who also all play a brutal schedule so they'll, they'll win the division and they might just not right. look great doing it but we're not even talking like who cares about the NFC North? Like really? True. I mean they're they're gonna win the <laughs> NFC North. And even if they if they don't win the NFC North, it's it's already a letdown. But they're they're gonna win it. That's not what people care about anymore. Yeah, you know, Aaron Rodgers' right. days are theoretically numbered. So yep. I, I would be concerned about that schedule. But you you know, guys get hurt, teams teams go in the tank. 
who, who knows the Packers, I think have a better chance of, of getting better. Well, I mean, obviously you never know what injuries are going to, but, but right now they're missing their best player at a number of positions. Uh, they have a better chance of getting better for the last month of the season. If Alexander and Smith can come back then, yep. then getting worse, I would think injury wise. Uh, so we did mention the refs. We, they spotted the ball. <laughs> on they, there, there's footage going around about them spot there was a play where they spotted the ball i think the bears were on offense they were it wasn't on the hash it, it was, was like a good was it was it even like half a yard off the hash? i would say it was a full yard outside oh of gosh. the hashes uh and uh, i mentioned I, I mentioned this to, to matt on apc slack earlier um that like there's there are bad refereeing mistakes that are like being slow on a snap judgment or you know not seeing a very nuanced call on the line even the even the terrible call on Equinemius's touchdown where they ruled him um that he didn't come down inbound well forget about the OPI for a second like they actually went and overturned themselves on that and I get like in real time it's hard to see like when you have the ball and where your feet are and if they're both in I get all that but spotting the ball wrong is just a whole new level of bad and this refereeing crew made a whole bunch of mistakes that are kind of like that, where it's just like careless, um, you know, not spur of the moment, like I'm a little sleepy or whatever, but like, I'm just not paying attention to the basic rules of football kind of things. Um, it was bizarre. The other big one was the AJ Dillon um, first down yes. run. Do you remember when Huge that benefit. happened? Huge I think... benefit to the Packers. Everyone thought he was way short. Even the and announcers. Gave him the first down. Yeah. <laughs> the announcers came back and like, I guess they're giving him a first down on that. Yeah. Fans yeah. are booing. Um, it, just insane. He was nowhere close. And I know that the, the line's not official on TV, but they were well back of the orange marker on the sideline. And A.J. Dillon did not gain a single inch on that play. Um, it's just lots of bad in this game. Lots of very, very sloppy bad. I, I would love to hear the story of what the officials for this game were doing the night before, because it, it seems like they maybe had a, a varsity blues style night out before the football game kind of thing. <laughs> wow. That's uh, that's yes. That's quite the condemnation. Um, I don't know, man. It was, it was weird, but like I said, there's, there's weirdness now. It's just the game's either too fast or the officials aren't good. It doesn't matter which you're going to get a bizarre call that's for you and probably a bizarre call that's against you at least once a game. So you've just got to be better. You've just got to be better. You've got to be more than one possession better than, than most teams. And they're <laughs> yep. going to be, there's going to be times that's unavoidable. You know, when they play the Cardinals, they're not going to be two possessions better than the Arizona Cardinals, but you got to You got to be just clicking on all cylinders as, as much as you can be. Absolutely. Um, so the Packers signed Whitney Merciless, or at least we're led to believe that's where this is headed. Um, He's interesting. He's 31 years old. He's been with the Houston Texans his whole career. He's got he's second on all the defensive career lists that JJ Watt is first on. Yes, he is. Uh, <laughs> he uh, they they brought in Lovey Smith this year, so they went from a three four to a four three. That moved Whitney Merciless from an outside linebacker to an edge rusher, defensive end. I mean, he's always been an edge rusher, but defensive end, and that wasn't really pro that's not a fit for him. So he ends up he started I think two games this year and has been off the bench. Uh, he's still got three sacks this year. It sounds like those are kind of just none of those are necessarily on merciless and more on the other guys on the line, but more importantly, he's, he's been effective for a long time. I'd be worried because last year we started to see a pretty good decline with him. Yeah. And, and so that does lead me to believe that there might not be left in the tank. It also tells me that Preston Smith probably isn't going to play definitely this week and maybe more. So that's a, that's unfortunate, but 
Um, I'd be interested. He's certainly a name guy. He's a guy that everybody's <laughs> heard of. Has never been at the Pro Bowl, which surprised me. Never that been is surprising. The Pro Bowl. Uh, Second it, team All-Pro in 2016, but never a Pro Bowl. Especially with the name. You know, y- even if you're not quite as productive as somebody else in your position, I mean, your name's Whitney Merciless. I mean, that's a, <laughs> yes. that's a big leg up on things. Well, um, even at, like I, I try to. There just can't be that many guys around the NFL that I feel comfortable like knowing the name. Like if you said Whitney Merciless, I'd be like, yeah, you know, rusher for the for the Houston Texans. Yeah. I know the guy, but he's never been to a Pro Bowl. That's weird. I feel like either you've been to a Pro Bowl. It's got, you know, it's like the, the generations of talent cycle through so quickly in the NFL. You know, four years go by, and, <laughs> and all the best players are guys that you would have never heard of four years ago. So it's surprising to me that I I know this guy's name so crystal clear, and uh, and and he's never uh, never been to that level but yeah obviously he's been a very productive player yep all that said he's definitely shown some severe decline um his he's still cleaning up sex at a decent clip but that's one of the problems is his pressure rates way down from what it was in his prime and has been for a couple of years and if those stop turning into sacks he stops being useful pretty quick but uh, i think is first of all he's available and the packers need somebody because they're very very light at the position mm-hmm. And, you know, being in Texas has to kind of grind on you. It is, it, it's just one of the worst places you can be. And one thing I love doing is taking underperforming guys out of bad settings. Um, it's, it just, it, it starts to get, it's, it's hard to go to work every day when you know you're not going to win and your coach is incompetent and you've traded away all your good players. And, um, you know, it, that's, that's actually hard to do. So um, I like taking shots on guys like that. And, in a part-time role where he just has to fire it up a couple times a game if when Preston's back. I think that that's definitely worth having. So uh, it's there's no downside here. Um, he's not. I don't think we have numbers yet, but if it's any more than the vet minimum, I'll be surprised. And if it's a little more, that's okay because he has some track record to deal with here. Um, and uh, it, it's a savvy signing. It's the kind of thing the Packers haven't always done. And uh, I, you know, I think we all wanted Stefan Gilmore when he was available, but he cost too much. And um, this is a good savvy move for a cash strap team where you, you get uh, some veteran presence, uh, you get past performance, and if you can fire it up a couple times a game and still you know pressure the quarterback, totally good. Um, also a fun jersey, so um, yes. I would totally have a merciless jersey. Absolutely. Uh, although you know the Packers have already done this where they've signed an, a na- quote unquote name guy with Jalen Smith and played against the Bears, and the reviews aren't exactly glowing uh, of his first first performance. He did get a lot of snaps though. He did. Um, he's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, uh, we talked a little bit last week, I think, about how his knees are kind of shot. Um, yeah. And he struggled especially in the run game in having to go laterally and getting just blown out of holes. Um, but I, I saw a lot of speculation, well, he can still be effective in the pass game going forward, backward, and, and covering. And it looks like he's still pretty fast. Um, I think you just have to have him in on the correct downs and maybe you can get something out of him. But yeah, he did not play well. He... Uh, he was definitely a huge liability in the run game, and he didn't exactly flash in the passing game either. Uh, and you know, if his knees are gone, that's it's very possible he's just done. Yeah, it's fine though because Devondre Campbell is the best inside he linebacker is. in the NFL, ranked so. number one, which is just incredible. Good for him. I love Devondre Campbell. He's also fun to watch. Like he he really pounds people. <laughs> yeah, he does. And like I said, you know who he is. Like he's he's just built a certain way. He is. He sticks he's, out. He's got, he does so you when when he's in on a tackle you know oh there's devondre again uh pretty good stuff um real quick special teams this week you know okay could be worse could be worse they they had one longish return if memory serves but nothing honestly pretty good no catastrophes (laughs) everybody made their field goals punting was good 
Yeah, a booming punt from Bajorquez. Yep. 82 yards. How about that? Beautiful. I mean, it would have been nice if it was down on the one and a little bit less uh, less gross yardage, but still very impressive stuff. When you're hitting Not 82, to... there's only so much you can ask for. <laughs> That's true, right? <laughs> if it's 82, like... I'll take yeah, a touchback. That been... That's fine. Yeah, he must have got that into a jet stream. That's uh, yeah. Even even as good as his leg is, that's that's something else. So, all right. So they're going to face Washington, and we've already talked about them a little bit. They've got you know you said you said their offense is bad, but they've got Terry McLaurin, who's you know one of the one of the better receivers in, in football, really. But other than but you know you got to have somebody throw him the football, and yep. it seems like uh, seems like that's just something they don't have. And uh, and the defense has been underperforming either because of I don't know effort, I don't know what it is, but like there's way too many guys that we've all heard of that are still in their prime on that defense that are not are it's just not happening. And and you know when you've got Chase Young, how how is your defense not better? I don't get it. Yeah, a lot of that defense is schedule, and schedule really does wreak havoc on defensive ratings. Even the guys who adjust for it, like Football Outsiders. There's only so much adjusting you can do. And la- last year, they ranked third. But just remember what the um, NFC East was like last year. Um, D- Dallas what, didn't have Dak Prescott for most of the year. We all made fun of Mike McCarthy a lot because that team was so bad. Um, you know, Kudos to him for rallying this year a bit. The Eagles, uh, we all thought Carson Wentz's brain was broken. He got sacked on 12% of his dropbacks. Um, and they were awful. And then the Giants are always terrible. And it, like literally one of the worst divisions in the history of football. The Washington wanted at seven and nine with no offense to speak of. And that's where their defense looked good. This year they've played the Bills already, who have one of the best offenses in football. The Chiefs, who probably have the best offense in football. The Chargers, who are you know an up and coming like great looking team for the most part, dropped a couple recently, but. And now they'll get the Packers. So their schedule is just much, much more difficult so far. And that'll make your defense look bad in a hurry, especially if you can expose some weaknesses underneath. And their uh, cornerbacks, after their number one cornerback, just aren't that good. If you get the ball up quickly and neutralize Chase Young in the pass rush, that kind of just takes care of them. Um, So that's the defense. But offense, oh, man, um, I I do feel a little bad for them on offense because on defense, they're just kind of underperforming um, and mostly healthy. But the offense has just taken on the chin. I feel like this is a recurring Packer theme so far this year is the opposing offense is in bad shape. So um, they they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick to make them adequate on offense. He got hurt immediately. And the backup's Taylor Henneke, who's okay. He's fine. Um, but uh, they have a really good offensive line, usually. It's one of the it's the strongest part of their offense. It was last year. But almost, like the entire right side of their offensive line showed up on the injury report today. And it looks like most of them won't play. Terry McLaurin's on the injury report. I'm not sure if he's going to play. I think he will. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, and Antonio Gibson showed up on the injury report. So I'm trying to pull it up right now. But basically, every worthwhile person on the Washington offense is on the injury report now. Is this going to be a punt game for them? (laughs) It's just going to be like, you know what, it's okay. It's hard to imagine how they're going to score many points. It's one of those things like, even if they play, um, they're going to be much less effective than they normally would be um let's see i I got it so antonio gibson was a dnp today which is not good for running back um with a shin injury oh geez i didn't even see william jackson was hurt Uh, their best cornerback is on the injury report he was limited today so charles leno um didn't practice although i think he's okay just taking a bet terry mclaurin it was a dnp for a hammy you know wide receivers and hammies not good curtis samuel with a groin he's their second best receiver 
He's he didn't. Ricky Seals Jones is their current starting tight end. He didn't practice today. <laughs> Sam Cosme is the right tackle. He didn't practice today. Their whole offense didn't practice today. Basically, it's not the good. Washington website just had a thing like how Ricky Seals Jones can unlock the Washington offense. I guess I guess not. I don't know. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones has been like a fantasy like gonna be he's gonna be good this week guy for like two years and and this was i think this was gonna be the week until he showed up on the injury report so oof okay so i'm gonna steal from your mini pod lane then and okay it's it's pretty obvious the packers should win this game it's at home (laughs) washington has no players they don't even have a mascot what uh what is the path though for for the the packers to lose this game so Oh, it's really hard to see. I actually, I didn't know William Jackson um, was hurt, and he's he's limited with a knee, so he might play. But the key to Washington winning this game is that they run. are good at getting pressure, and Rodgers has been not great against pressure. Um, Doug Farrar wrote a really nice piece in Touchdown Wire today, um, highlighting just how bad Rodgers has been, especially on deep passing under pressure, um, and has not generally speaking been good you know it used to be that blitzing Aaron Rodgers was death to the defense and that has not been the case at all this season and they have the they have the horses to get a pass rush with four and if you can get a pass rush with four on Aaron and play a whole bunch of guys in the secondary one of which is good at guarding Devontae Adams you can really shut down the Packer um, offense and so that's their path to victory you still have to score points though and um, without anybody worthwhile playing on the offense i just don't know how they're going to score anything i think it would take freak special teams play or something along those lines to actually win this game and, and with this many guys hurt i just don't see it happening like T- taylor henneke is not a good quarterback and i don't he's he's not gonna have anybody to throw to um so it they might keep it close because the defense might actually keep the packers offense under control it might look a lot like the bears game honestly where the packers actually do dominate but the score doesn't really show quite how much they dominated. Hmm. All right. And I mean, obviously some of these guys could play, you know, uh, most of them could play for all we know. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's Wednesday. The, the, lots of changes between now and then, but uh, it's not good to have this many DNPs um, on, on Wednesday is not great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm still worried about Chase Young. Pretty disruptive, uh, disruptive force. Yep. And what is what is Montez Sweat up to this year? Is he doing anything? He's good. This year? Yeah. Other than um, other than doing his own research about COVID, he's also Ugh. um, he's he's getting consistent pressure. He has quite a few sacks. I think he's got three. It's not quite a few, but um, he, he's done a nice job opposite Chase Young. Um, Jonathan Allen's also been good, but he's hurt. He he was limited by a knee today too. <laughs> uh, and combined, the all of those guys make for a very formidable front. Um, but, uh, but sweat and young are, are kind of the, the keys here. So, um, I, I mentioned sweat specifically on the vaccine thing because Washington actually had in one of the developers of the Moderna vaccine to answer any questions that people asked or had about taking the vaccine and Montez sweat, uh, when asked by a reporter, if he asked that person, his questions that he had, you know, about the vaccine said, I didn't ask any questions. I'm just still doing my own research, which is. Which is the dumbest thing that anybody's ever said. So We're literally giving you the person who developed the vaccine, who did all the research. You can ask all the questions you want. No, I'm good. Because, because let's face it, the opinion is, is set in stone, no matter, what, uh, no matter what they try to tell you. That yep. there's more research to be done. No, nope. no. It's, We're good. Any research will just back up the opinion I already have. Yeah, exactly. Is there, you mentioned those I own you t-shirts. Are we doing a giveaway? We are doing a giveaway. 
Um, well, let's talk about that. <laughs> I have two kinds of t-shirts. So um, we haven't done a giveaway in a while, so we're doing a giveaway, as as you all know. Um, we do have a, a Patreon. Um, it is the Milwaukee's Tailgate Patreon. So patreon.com slash MKE Tailgate. And um, if... Uh, I have to look at my date that I set, but uh, if you join at the $5 level at, uh, by the beginning of November, um, you'll be entered to win either one of the aforementioned I Own You t-shirts. I have two of them for Mac Me Packing Company. Uh, I have two Reporting as Eligible t-shirts, and I have a Reporting as Eligible hoodie. I believe they're all navy on the Reporting as Eligible ones. I don't know what color the... Uh, I, I believe the I Own You t-shirts are green. I got to go look up again. I'll post a picture of them on the show page if anybody wants to see, or you can go over to Mac Me Packing Company. Um, and just locate the post about them. And by the way, I should mention, if you do buy one and don't win one, um, all proceeds for that do go to charity. We are keeping our charity that we picked last year when we did the uh, Dorks Value Only Analytics t-shirt to support math and science education. So, um, <laughs> I love that. Yes. As when, do a charity, I. when charity is a troll yeah. job, I, I do love that. But anyway, um, head on. Can I just take... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, no, finish oh, your Head on over to, the, to our Patreon. And uh, if you're already there, if you're already signed up, again, thank you. Uh, it also gets you question priority on this podcast and the Wonka's Tailgate podcast. It gives you Ryan Topps, a podcast that he does with James Anderson once a month on the Brewers minor league system, which is a good thing to do if you want to know who is up and coming for them. And it gets you the mini pods here to preview the opponent in great detail, which I'll have up uh, on Friday for Washington. So uh, go and sign up over there and be entered to win stuff too. I'm just going to take us out of the moment here and talk baseball because right now we're recording this during an NLCS game. We are. Uh, the Dodgers uh, had a leadoff single. They're down 5-2 in the seventh. They had a leadoff single. Justin Turner then hit into a double play and appears to have pulled his hamstring. Sure did. And I am so confused because they flashed to a man in the stands, a fan, decked out in Braves gear. And the, the fan was very upset by this development, or at least seemed to be very, very upset. So again the braves have the braves benefited here from this they got mm -hmm. the two outs in the seventh and one of the dodgers best hitters as bad as he's been in this series is out but this braves fan or at least somebody wearing braves gear is clearly cheering for the dodgers i'm very confused well maybe very, he just feels confused. bad that he got hurt in a playoff game yeah that's not it nope, mm -mm, nope. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's had too much to drink I mean, that's absolutely always an option. Uh, although, although in LA, I got to think there's not as much uh, over over service because these guys got to get out of there by the seventh. They need to beat the traffic. So yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people driving. Well, who am I kidding? <laughs> <laughs> the the need to drive and the the decision to drink do not are definitely not things that uh, you know that that are made made in concert. But whatever. Uh, let's uh, let's get to questions. Unless let's there's do anything it. else. I no, feel no. like we should we should be harping more on the fact that the Packers owned the Bears again, but you know we've kind of hit hit everything I think. Let's uh, let's start with Patreon questions, of course. Patreon uh, patrons get a question priority here. So uh, Jason Albert kicks us off. What happened to Big Bob Tunyon? How come he caught so many touchdowns last year, and this season seems like kind of a non-factor? We did talk about this last week, we but maybe we can hit on it again. Yeah, and it's 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 concerning um, for sure because he was a huge weapon last year. You know, famously never dropped any balls. And he has just been a complete non-factor to an absurd degree. Um, like basically a one catch, 10 yards every single game, um, no yak, not fighting for anything. And part of it is just um, not, as, not as many opportunities because Randall Cobb runs a lot of the same routes. But part of it is legitimately just him not fighting through things and not running as crisp routes as he did before. Um, 
so you know he had 58 targets last year it's not a ton um knock 10 off that for Cobb and then with a little bit of regression just on you know a little bit of a decline maybe he's a little dinged up maybe um he's getting a little more defensive attention because he was pretty productive last year and he is not rising to the occasion so um they really do need a tight end to step up and i i mean mercedes has done a nice job of it but you know he's the slowest position player in football and there's only so much he can do so um bob's really just regressed to the mean a little bit plus some outside stuff and uh, they need somebody to fill that role because it can't just be Devontae all the time. It's going to be a problem at some point. I do feel like this was definitely the case with Lazard, but I believe with Tunyon last year too, we just kept asking, why wasn't this guy drafted? Why? What did everybody miss about this guy? Yep. Was that the knock on him that he just isn't that physical of a player? I know he's a converted, you know, converted to the position, but yeah, that's pretty much it? the knock on him. That Yes, he is a good athlete, but he is stretched a little bit at tight end with size and blocking potential. Mm-hmm. And he was outstanding at um, at catching the ball down the field last year, but he was one of the worst players at getting yak. Basically, Bob Tanyan would go down as soon as he was contacted last year. So, um, and, and, you know, that's one of those things where it didn't matter last year because he gained so many yards before he was contacted anyway, but it's a symptom of his lack of physicality. And I do think mm-hmm. teams figured out if they bully him a little bit, they can really knock him off his game. Yeah, I believe he's the guy who misses the block that got Dylan thrown for like a six-yard loss or something. I believe he was. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, the Nick Bosa block might be the highlight of the year for him at this point. Uh, I'm sure he's going to catch a touchdown here or there. but like Somebody ooh. needs to put that on repeat in his locker so he sees it every time he opens it. Yeah, so uh, he knows what he's capable of. Yeah. Um, it's fine though. More, more time for Mercedes Lewis to eat. That's fine with me. I love this guy. Um, even though I realize he's not, he's not what you want, uh, as your, as your best pass catching tight end. Um, Alex Lamers said, this is something that dates back a couple weeks, but this is, uh, this is still interesting. I saw someone cite next gen stats that Jamar chase actually averaged the fourth least separation 1.3 yards last week. He's referring to the Packers. Packers game. Yeah. game. Was it mostly Stokes in coverage or him? And how do you think Stokes is doing so far? And it was mostly Stokes and coverage on him. And he did a very nice job in that game staying with Jamar Chase. And even though Chase had himself a pretty nice game, uh, he did have to fight for a lot of his catches, except for the blown coverage where he gained 70 yards, <laughs> where nobody was in coverage on him. Um, and Stokes was did a very nice job at using his elite physicality to keep up with Jamar Chase, who is also uh, one of the most athletic receivers in football. Uh, Stokes continues to play a very, very, very nice game. Um, he is not perfect in terms of technique. Hopefully he will improve. But uh, he just gets back into plays so quickly. He is He's not a huge guy. Like Kevin King's 6'4". Stokes is only like 6 feet, but he seems just like to play way longer. I think he's got really long arms and gets himself back into plays that you don't think he's going to get back into. Um, combination of speed and length and just really using it as much as possible. So um, if they get Jair back they have the makings of an outstanding one-two punch on the outside that the Packers haven't had in quite some time. So um, he's been good, and he keeps being good. And I keep waiting for him to kind of fail, and he really hasn't. Yeah, if they get Jair back. I feel like, <laughs> there, I feel like there is at that, this point, yes. lucky if it's December, lucky if it's – well, certainly lucky if it's at all. But December might be the most optimistic for both him and Zadarius Smith. I yeah. mean, there's there's just very little that we know about that. My guess that would be Zadarius isn't coming back, but uh, – I Same. think Jair. Um, I think they'll they'll try and get him back for the playoffs, if at all possible, because he's super yeah. important. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, PJ Vessels asks, uh, hope the ki- he mentions referring to your kids. Hope the yeah. kids feel better soon. No fun. Thank will you. the defense will the defense survive another week against a mediocre offense? Is Washington's defense better than Chicago's? Um, so no. the answer is no. It is not better than Chicago's. It's not at all. Not even close. So um, Chicago's defense has shown up against some halfway decent teams, um, and Washington's defense has shown up against absolutely nobody. So yeah. Um, I don't, Washington is talented, but Chicago's defense is better. Khalil Mack is still outstanding. We saw that um, last week. Akeem Hicks is still outstanding. Yeah, There's a lot of guys who are very good on that defense. Um, and Washington has just not put it together, and they're going to be hurt. Um, and the the Packer defense will be fine. Um, it, even if everybody I mentioned on the DNP practice list this week plays, they're going to be um, – they're still not a great offense, even though they have a couple weapons, and they're going to be slowed by injury and – Eric Stokes can at least limit Terry McLaurin enough. Antonio Gibson is f- he's fine, but uh, you know if they run the ball 30 times, that's a win for the Packers as long as they're not winning by a lot when they do it. So yeah, this will be f- the defense will look good after this game. I'm pretty confident. My heart was in my stomach standing under an apple tree as I read tweets indicating that Kenny Clark had left the game with an injury early on against the Bears. Uh, they can't, I mean, we could say that they couldn't afford to lose Alexander, maybe even Zadaria Smith, but like, if, if especially with, they can't lose Kenny Clark. Like, they just cannot lose him at this point. He's, nope. he's dominant. And, and, you know, I feel like we feel like we didn't talk about him at any point because it's just, we take it for granted now. But uh, that's one of the reasons why without your two cornerbacks playing, you still can hold a team to 14 points because the, you know, nothing's, nothing's happening up front. He's, he's sucking up a lot of, uh, Very true. you know, a lot of that. So and since they started moving him outside on both passing and on passing downs, he is just uh, brutal for um, a, a guard to block and has been getting consistent pressure on quarterbacks from the inside. I mean, that's all you can ask from an interior lineman. I mean, he's, we know he's one of the best in the league, but it's starting to show up with finishing off quarterbacks much more frequently. And like you may have noticed Dean Lowry showing up a little bit lately on the pass rush. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That is hugely related to Kenny Clark now requiring additional people <laughs> to block him on the other side. Like Dean Lowry is only good at that. Like he's good he's not good in the run. He's a good pass rusher when he can get one on one situations. And now he's getting those because Kenny Clark is just manhandling people. Yeah, that's nice. Kenny Clark, two sacks. Did he? Uh, how many hurries did he have? Do you even know? I think it was like eight or nine. It was. Oh my t- gosh! It was. I, um, I, I saw it in passing on Twitter, but it was a lot. It was a ton that's, of hurries in this game. That's wild. And they have to. Uh, wow, he's so good. Oh my gosh, he is so good. Uh, let's see, Jason Albert. At what point will it catch up with the Packers' offense that no wide receivers a threat to catch a ball except for Adams? You think teams could scheme to take him out of the game, but maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But we've talked about this <laughs> that you know, and Washington is a team that maybe can take Adams out of the game. I don't think he can. I think he's too good to like get shut out or one catch or yeah. two catches or anything ridiculous. But you can you can mitigate him certainly. Yep, it happens once in a while. Tampa did it in the NFC Championship game last year. And um, so just I, I did I'm writing a piece um, on stati- a statistical piece for APC this week. And last year, um, I basically did an exercise where I broke um, the Packers into having two receivers, Devonte Adams, and then the average of all of the rest of the receivers on the team put together. And last year, uh, you might be surprised to learn that all of the other receivers on the team combined were about as good as Devonte Adams. They were a little worse, but not much. And it, it makes sense because uh, while Devonte was awesome across the board, he averaged like 12 yards a catch. And Bob Tanyan was good last year. He caught 85% of his balls, which is more than Devonte. And MVS averaged 20 yards a catch, which is more than Devonte. 
And while he didn't catch a lot of his balls, if you put the two of them together, it's kind of what you get. Um, this year, not the case. Um, Devontae is taking a bigger target share than he did last year. He has uh, a phenomenally good yards per reception. He is um, leading you know, every major category among receivers. And all the other receivers combined are much, much, much worse than Devontae. That number two combination receiver is like three yards per reception worse and catching fewer balls overall and averaging like one less yard per target. So um, Adams is excellent. We all know that. But uh, we saw last year when he got hurt for a few games, they were okay. Um, yeah, guys it, stepped up and did fine. And I think this year, if that happens, it is definitely an open question if they have the horses to, to do that. I'm not sure they do, um, even though it's a lot of the same people. Oh, Dodgers. Um. <laughs> yeah, I know it's ugly. <laughs> um, so, they took Scotty Gavin Lux out of center field, and Mookie Betts just just botched a fly ball. Yeah, I mean, yeah. whatever. But. Um, anyway, um, I, I do think it might hurt them more without Tanyan stepping up, and with especially if MVS isn't back soon. I do think they need him to be back and start stretching the field and open it up underneath for a few more people. And until that happens, they are vulnerable to uh, a Devante slow day, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alex Lambers again, if Aaron Rodgers could have said, I still own you to, in the face of a player instead, which Bears player over the past 15 years would you <laughs> most want to see him do that to? Uh, let's you know, see. So I thought about this question. I couldn't come up with anyone. It's like the Don Draper meme. I don't even think about you at all. There's no Bears. <laughs> uh, there's no Bears player that bothers me because the Bears are not an issue. I'm sorry, but they're not. I When they were good on defense, like the Lovey Smith, like good teams on defense, and a lot, a lot of that was like even pre-Rogers, but I kind of like those guys. Like Brian Urlacher is a big, stupid meathead, but he's fun to watch and like, you know, a good player. And Lance yeah, I Br- have no nothing against Brian Urlacher. Yeah, Lance Briggs was kind of the same way. And, um, Peanut Tillman. Uh, yeah, Peanut Tillman's fun. Like, I don't like the punching when it's against the Packers, but it was incredible and effective. So I'm not really sure. I guess my answer might be, um, I, I think this was a playoff game, uh, an important one. I could be wrong, though. But I think Aaron Rodgers threw a pick to Urlacher at one point, and Urlacher yes. was going to return it for a touchdown, and Rodgers just scraped the back of his foot on his first drive and tripped him up. I would have liked Rodgers to pop up and do it to him at that moment after tackling him after an interception. Is that not the NFC Championship game I in think it was. I was it looking is. for it. Because um, everything changes if Aaron Rodgers doesn't make that tackle. Yes. That tackle was massive. Yes, it was. Yeah. I, I could be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure, sure it is. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, awesome moment. I guess I would say Shane McClellan because that guy, oh, yeah. not not intentionally, but broke broke, <laughs> broke Rogers' collarbone at one of those times. So uh, so yeah, I I guess that's that's maybe the call. But even on offense, like I'm trying to think. Of, I mean, like nobody nobody in Packers Nation should dislike Jay Cutler. He was a gift, right? So like, if you're looking for the face of that team during these last 15 years, I don't know. They're all kind of non-threatening i'd rather you know save it for jared allen or something in minnesota yep that's the correct answer jared allen <laughs> in minnesota yeah all right i'm gonna look this up to make sure that i'm i'm right i'm but pretty I'm sure you're right pretty sure that's right uh brian polakowski asked who's the worst opponent the packers will see this year the lions or <laughs> the washington football team also can you imagine how crazy it would have been watching the 1983 monday night football matchup between green bay and washington with 11 touchdowns oh man six field goals 48-47 Green Bay win. He said, I was seven months old. I was a little bit older than that, but not much. Same. And uh, 
Yeah, that was. Is that still the? Is that the? That's the highest scoring game I'm pretty sure in Monday Night history. It is. It's got to be one of the highest scoring in NFL history, actually. It's one of, but not seven. the. Sure. Uh, yeah, highest scoring game in Monday Night Football history. That is not going to happen to the Packers in Washington this time around. Boy, howdy, it is not. And and to answer your question, the Lions are the worst team in football, and I think will continue to be the worst team in football. They've gotten worse every week. Um, they just, by the way, they signed Geronimo Allison today. If you're wondering how things are going in Detroit. Oh no, that's yeah. so bad. Yeah, it is. Um, so it, Washington's got talent. Detroit doesn't have any talent. Washington's got a lot of other problems, uh, front office problems, um, talent problems, uh, but they're more talented than the Lions are. And uh, yeah, the Lions are just awful. Super awful. Yeah. <sighs> feels good to have this division at our fingertips, doesn't it? Paul? It is the gift that keeps on giving. It is just atrocious. Yeah, it really is. All right, let's move to Twitter questions. Easy Narc asks, anyone jealous of that Mike McCarthy offense? <laughs> no, as stated many times on this pod, the Packer offense is actually doing quite well. It's just really slow. Um, and, you know, uh, we made fun of, I've made, I, I shouldn't speak for all of us. I've made fun of Mike quite a bit. And it's nice to see his offense um, humming along nicely there and getting the most out of Dak Prescott, who's a quarterback I like. But I'm not sure that Mike is really the guy driving the bus over in Dallas on offense right now either. So I'm uh, I'm not sure I really want Mike's offense either. What is history going to think? Let's say worst case scenario, the Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl here. What history is going to have to remember Mike <laughs> McCarthy as one of the all time great coaches? Oh, you don't win shoot. two Super Bowls With by two different accident. teams too, um, right? So now we're talking about we're talking about one of the greats in Mike McCarthy. I mean, that's going to be wild. It's, it's, I don't know what to, so first of all, I doubt it'll happen because Cowboys, yeah. um, I, and just, I, I obliquely referenced Kellen Moore, who's their offensive coordinator. He will almost certainly be a head coach next year. Everybody loves Kellen Moore and the offense he runs, which is not Mike's offense. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the, the stat nerds like Ben Baldwin have been, uh, the PFF guys too, been saying things like, what is it? What is Mike actually doing over there these days? Because, you know, his in-game management's not great and he's not calling the offense and he's not a defensive guy. So, um, but I mean, you have to give him credit. They're, they're five and one, their offense is outstanding and it's not like he hires people. <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't know what history thinks of Mike if the Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl. I mean, if he if he gets this Dallas team to a Super Bowl after last year and struggling quite a bit, I think he deserves a lot of credit, even if he's not calling every play. Like head coaches don't have to call every play. You have offensive and defensive coordinators for a reason, and you can be the the overall architect of things without being granular in any one area. So, uh, I mean, if the, if they win it, he's earned a a special place. I think that's fine. So weird, uh, Trevon Diggs. How many? That's Stefan Diggs' brother. He's a defensive back. And for those who watched uh, Hard Knocks, he was kind of one of the stars. He has this <laughs> adorable, adorable kid. Uh, he's got seven interceptions <laughs> in six <laughs> games. Seven interceptions he does, in six games. Which does not happen in the modern NFL. That's impossible. It's impossible. Uh, so that's, I don't want to say luck. I think that's great. Good for him. He's having a great year. Tremendous year. But uh, that's, that's wild. Um, I do. I do not trust Dallas. I, I don't trust Green Bay either, but I definitely don't trust it. If we're talking about the five and one teams, I do yeah. not trust Dallas. Uh, Jonathan Deal asks, in honor of spooky season, what horror icon would you associate Aaron Rodgers with, considering he's been haunting and murdering the Lions, Vikings, and especially the Bears for his entire career? Uh, let's see. 
I mean, oh, you haven't given this thought. I gave it a little thought. I'm reconsidering a little bit because I didn't. Uh, the the longevity thing didn't hit me until you just read it right now, which you know it makes you want to go for a Jason Freddy answer. But yes. uh, uh, I I was actually sort of thinking the Babadook, which is reliant on uh, trauma within to create <laughs> the haunting on the outside. So oh I think I go with that. That's uh, I didn't expect the metaphorical take. Uh, I definitely see something like, you know, do you know the movie The Grudge? Yes. So what I appreciate about and and that's an American version of a of a movie I think it's from Japan. Very Japanese. It, yeah, it, Japanese. Yes. So what I appreciate about a <laughs> Japanese horror, Japanese horror has no real rhyme or reason to it. There's no like overriding moral there's no real you know it's like the ring for example it's it's nonsense really it's just horrifying <laughs> because it makes no sense it's just horrifying horror uh that i imagine is how aaron Rodgers is to a lot of people especially if we're talking about something called the grudge aaron Rodgers knows how to hold a grudge Good and call. i can definitely see his like rage manifesting itself in just very peculiar bizarre ways very upsetting so either the the monster i don't i don't remember the name of the monster from the grudge or or even it's just some creepy samara. kid isn't it samara's the ring samara's the ring yeah. yeah i think it's a creepy kid i don't know it, it, it manifests itself in different ways but uh yeah definitely something something out of the japanese horror playbook is what i'm going with and uh yeah i think he's inevitable for the nfc north he's just got to seem so freaking inevitable it's what we watch when we see tom brady out there yep. and he's down seven points with a minute 15 on the clock and he's on his own 20 yard line and you're screwed. it's what we think yep you just you just know if you're one of those people that he's gonna mess with your life very upsetting um <laughs> <laughs> david david asks the red zone streak has to end against washington right right so it does have to end it's got to end i think washington's a good candidate my only I don't know if they're going to get in the red zone very often because, I mean, if everybody's hurt, they're, they're very likely not to. Um, but if they do, yeah, I think this is where the Packer defense finally does show up and stop somebody. Uh, I would, I'd put a decent amount of money on it. Um, they don't have the horses to punch it in. They can't abuse the Packer run defense in the red zone. That's what's done a lot of it. And they don't have like a, a super big good target to target um, and abuse anybody in the defensive secondary either. So, yep, I like this one. I like this way to end it. It's 15 for 15 right now, by the way. Uh, the Bears did it twice. So Incredible. If you're thinking yeah, I mean, the Bears did it twice, so anybody can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that, that's a good to bad thing. The, the good news is the Bears only got into the red zone twice, <laughs> which comes back to the pace a little bit. The bad news is 15 out of 15. I know you said last week that this is going to even out, that there is a little bit of luck involved, some penalties involved. <laughs> But like 15 out of 15 is no joke. Yep. Uh, it's it's really, really frustrating. And I guess like I was thinking, do you want because in the past they've struggled in the red zone or I should say struggled between the 20s, but but been effective in the red zone. The whole bend but don't break thing has worked for them, including in 2010 when they you know went to the Super Bowl then in 2011. But um, I, I guess you would rather have this. You would rather have a team that is just overall better because the red zone thing you figure – there, it's easier to make tweaks there than it is to have the personnel to truly be good on defense between the twenties. Yeah. But, and, and Eric Stokes is a big part of it because he's a rookie and you know, your cornerbacks playing in a, in a tighter window. That's, that's tougher to do and tougher to learn. So I guess that's the type of thing you'd expect them to get better at. But um, 15 of 15 is pretty freaking agree. It's not good. <laughs> 15 touchdowns. I mean, it would be bad if it was a score every time. <laughs> yeah. a touchdown every time is incredible. 
Uh, Enrico Palazzo asks, is Jalen Smith's uh, athleticism still enough to cover up the fact that he's not very good at the position? Uh, I don't know. No. I don't know if Jalen Smith is going to get snaps all year long. He's not very athletic anymore. Um, I, right. He should be a pass situation only guy, and I don't, I, I don't see it anymore. I think he looks pretty washed. Yeah, hopefully one game is – I mean, it's just – this is what everyone said about Jalen Smith, and then the one game kind of showed it. So it's kind of like, eh, yeah, there may be – it maybe is what we thought we what we thought he was yep. to uh to quote to quote an aforementioned houston texans defensive coordinator no wait that's not lovey smith that's uh dennis green we are who we thought they were right um that is dennis green yes yeah my bad my bad i'm confusing my my bears luminaries defensive coordinator luminaries uh <laughs> loco pabs we're on the discord questions already loco pabs is the only discord question we have should the wft a rebrand with a new nickname b remain wft c relocate and rebrand or d be dissolved and replaced <laughs> in the league by a different organization <laughs> certainly the answer is d, d but d. under more reasonable possibilities they should rebrand to have the initials be wtf um so i don't washington the football i don't something like that Uh, but uh wft is so close and they can get it there but i mean this organization is uh we've called houston the worst organization in sports i think that's from a competence perspective um washington has occasionally made competent decisions personnel wise but they are probably the worst organization in all of sports just in terms of being bad guys, <laughs> um, being despicable people. Um, so they should find new ownership for that team. Uh, they should keep them in Washington. They should not relocate them. And they should rename them something fun where we can just make a what the fuck um, reference. So, yeah. yeah. Washington, that football, I feel like that would work as a WTF. Kind of like that. That Washington works. that football um <laughs> what a what a what a shit show I mean just on all levels in terms of having good people in terms of being able to come up with a mascot for it two consecutive look it's fine one time one year even though people have been telling you that your mascot is a literal racial slur it's fine to have one year where it's like okay we're finally doing this and we're not ready but the, they they my understanding and I don't know if this is true but the inability to find a mascot had a little bit to do with like getting the trademarking and the branding like so oh, many yeah. of the possibilities that were out there people smartly jumped on that is and all like, correct yeah good work everybody well thought through what way to way to like way to tell the world oh we're gonna come up with new branding and then everybody's like hmm let's make a quick buck Here's and all use up all be. the names yeah yeah and this there's is only so many really like there's only so many options they're not gonna be the washington like you know cardinals cardinals is a bad example but the, <laughs> you know I don't know, the Washington Robins. They're not just going to be like some random animal. They're going to have some tie. There's such a rich, you know, a rich tapestry to pull from in the nation's capital. There's plenty of options, and they're still finding a way. They're still finding ways to screw it up. Incredible. Yep. It's ridiculous. God. I actually did hear, because I do feel bad for their fans. They've had, they've obviously had some success in their past, so they probably have some longstanding fans. And, and to have to put up with this has to be really frustrating. I did hear one guy sort of defend the idea of staying Washington football team. I mean, it's been two seasons and it's, it's different. You got to hand him that yep. like it's, it's, it's weird and it's laughable at times, but we would get <laughs> used to it, you know, four or five years go by. It's not going to be weird anymore. It's not going to be haha Washington football team. They couldn't come up with a nickname. So he actually was like, you know what? We're here. Let's just, let's just do something. It's a little bit like the Ohio state university, you know, just like we're the football the team. Football team. 
it's fine it's fine so uh i actually i don't i wouldn't even rule that out that they just keep it like i do think that's on the table yeah. i would have previously thought that madness but that was after the first season and now that we're still here i think they might keep they, there's a possible they just they i kind of like it also like I, I joke i want the initials to be different but i it's very modern it's very much how like tv uh shows were named and movies were named for like 10 years of just what they were like two words right. um so i like that it it, it does uh it, it it sounds kind of i'm already kind of used to it so. yeah and i mean think about how soccer has become a bigger thing in the united states the, the naming conventions that club club soccer teams use you know it isn't about the mascot like it is in the united states i think that's that's a very united states concept i mean north america concept i guess i would say yeah it it's, is it's not it's not important that you know like you know liverpool is the brand it's not what whatever you know mascot they i don't even know do they even have mascots i don't think these club soccer teams even ha they have unofficial ones they, yeah I don't know. They, they just kind of pick up names based on what the fans call them based on the colors right. of jerseys and and things like that um, exactly and puns yes 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 and i love puns yeah. so uh so i don't know we, we've kind of talked ourselves into the fact that a team needs a mascot it's not necessarily the case so Maybe maybe this is uh, the the front end of a revolution. We we've maybe maybe Daniel Snyder really is a genius all along. Just kidding. He's no, not a genius. He's, he's not. terrible. Yeah. Oh, all right. That's what we got, Paul. Yeah, we're done. So, um, all right. Um, again, if you want to win a shirt, head over to the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/mktailgates. Uh, ball and glove level. That's five bucks. Uh, and higher will be entered. Um, we'll do that drawing, I believe, the first Friday in November, if memory serves. I'll post that somewhere. Um, but uh, before we get out of here, JR, anything good? Buck season underway? Well, yeah, buck season's underway. I, I won't say I have anything good in the hopper coming up here, but uh, we did. Uh, I was able to. I actually covered uh, for for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel the game story of the the Bucks opener against Brooklyn. It was a comfortable win. It was an awesome, awesome night at Pfizer Forum. Uh, the ring ceremony, the banner was unfurled. Jim Paschke was there doing Master of Ceremony stuff. It was really, really cool. And then they played outstanding. Like they played so confidently. I mean, they look like. Man, the bucks are really freaking good man i mean yes, i i i did not imagine they would they would pressure 60 wins this season because uh because of the, just the quick turnaround weird season i'm imagining you know they're an older team there's going to be rest and i mean all that might still be true but the first game if that's if that's a harbinger holy smokes yeah this team is special so uh so that was fun you can find all our coverage at jsonline.com we've got stuff about the rings you know stuff about the ceremony jim ozarski was there writing about the ceremony so so that's all that's all cool um you know yeah i don't have anything else really uh really in the in the near the near term here two, two quick JS things Online. uh one what did you think of the ring um, so I feel wrong saying anything bad about it because I, I, for, for, it's cool. It's cool. I love, I love all the Easter eggs, you know, like I think every, it's cool. So I yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love all the Easter eggs. That's, that's common with rings where everything has, you know, it, the carrot values matter because they, they represent 414 or something like, I like that stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and I love the fact that this ring is different and becomes a pendant. Um, in writing about it uh, and, and the design is beautiful and the people who worked on it amazing I love that Giannis is the one who came up with the idea to put a QR code in there to pull up a video of their championship run like all that stuff is cool it is 
it is a little much like the, the 360 <laughs> diamonds on the top for the number of ownership wins feels a little forced and a little weird. I'm guessing it's because they needed a certain, you know, they needed a triple digit number or something to, to make that thing look good, to, yeah. you know, measure that out. So I, I gather it. It's, it's a little much at some points I was kind of like, okay, the amount of money that's being pumped into this, I'm, I'm not, I swear I'm not that guy who complains about salaries and how much money franchises are spending on, on dumb stuff. I'm not. But at some point, it's just like, oh boy, that's an awful, awful lot going into things, rings that you can't even wear. But, yep. uh, um, but I mean, obviously it's cool. I love, I love the, the side that looks like Pfizer form, I think is genius. It looks really neat. I love that Buxton 6 is physically on the ring. It's so good. That's awesome. That's a great nod to the fans. That's a fan thing. And so that's a nod to the fans. And I really, I really like that. So, uh, so I, I, I do have slightly mixed emotions, but I would say that, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to truly dislike something that's that much, you know, designed so specifically for a championship. That's really fun. Yep. All right. Sweet. Uh, I will have a post up on Active Packing Company tomorrow about um, Devonte Adams and what would happen if he disappeared from the team versus last year. Um, I have my recap and forward-looking piece in the Shepherd Express out right now. You can go find that um, either at the Shepherd Express or by popping over to my Twitter where I just tweeted it out. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll have a uh, contest up. We're off for the baseball podcast this week, mini pod on Friday, and uh, that'll do it for us here. So um, enjoy the game. I'm actually going to the game this week, so I will, I, I will be That's there. Fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Haven't been in a are while. You going to be, are you going to be carrying a sign that says, I still own you? It might seem out of place place against not the bears they but. do have that that uh booth inside with the coles placards where you can make a sign so yeah i'm gonna do that now delightful delightful mm -hmm. let me ask you this before i let you go what do you think is the staying power of i still own you because i have a feeling it's not going to endure because it's so team specific the way that r-e-l-a-x has or the way that run the table became a thing yeah i kind of agree with you i i feel like it's going to be kind of a, a one-shot deal it might resurface when they play the bears again and we mm -hmm. see the highlights over and over again. So oh, yeah. uh, I think there'll be like a dip and then it'll come back and then we'll never think of it again. Yeah, so. I think that's possible too. Or, you know, just talking about bucks and six, that sort of, that thing, I think somewhat randomly became a mantra. Yeah. I don't, I, I as fun as this is right now, I don't know if this will become a mantra, but you know, we may find out. R-E-L-A-X kind of, uh, kind of became a, a surprise, a surprise smash. So I guess yep. I could be wrong. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but I do agree with you on that. So. But that that is all we have. So um, everybody right. enjoy the game this weekend. We'll be back next week. Stand, it's the only way to rise up, rise up. Here he comes. Here comes the general.